You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Wednesday. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, we've got my co-host, Cody Tapp, producer, Nick Schwartz. Nick and I are rocking our fall flannels today. Mm. Cody did not get the memo. Cody's I didn't. a seasonal guy. Cody doesn't care about <laughs> seasonal dishes. And now we're learning <laughs> that he doesn't care for seasonal attire. I didn't say that. I just, I don't own that much flannel. I didn't know we were all going to wear it. You canceled chili. With <laughs> preeminent fall food, you said that people needed to find a new fall dish. Okay, so to be clear, my, we have hosted uh, like a, a chili dinner every year, Nick. I'm going to not invite you if you keep this up. I already know what day it is. Whoa. There's a lot of different kind of chilies. You keep saying I canceled it. You're just going to not get an invite. Is it a chili cook-off? No, it's just like come here and eat chili and hang out and drink free alcohol. Well, can, I, can I come to this chili and make uh, green chili? Yes, but you have to make enough for like f- uh, not 40 people. That's how many people will probably be there. But enough that many people can enjoy it. Are you willing to make a people? big batch? Are you inviting, like, wow! Are you inviting your daughter's like entire school? It was it was what my <laughs> great it was what my great uncle did every Christmas Eve when he passed. We took on the tradition. We don't do it on Christmas Eve anymore, but we invite people from all walks of life. Nick, not just the likes of you, the likes of me. You know what? Let's not get off track here because I feel like <laughs> you're just attacking me now. I'm just gonna stay out of this one. <laughs> That's like That's the uh, you're not invited to my birthday party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That> feels <laughs> okay. We're gonna talk football now, guys. Did Tennessee dust off the old blueprint of slowing down the Chiefs, or was this just a one-off? A few tidbits here: the Chiefs had seven consecutive drives without scoring, which ties the longest streak of Patrick Mahomes' career. Obviously, one of those was a missed field goal, so not all on him. Also, last year, we saw everyone refuse to blitz the Chiefs and drop everyone back into coverage, and it took Mahomes and Reed a few months to adjust. So question here, if there's nothing to be concerned about, why do you think the Chiefs struggled to move the ball for large chunks of the game on Sunday? Well, first, it's not a one-off because the Tennessee Titans are the best team in the entire NFL at slowing down the Chiefs. They are every year, not like just this year, all the time. They're good at it. They have a plan to do it. And a lot of it is a plan. It's the same thing. Most teams can't do what the Titans are going to do here. They can't just beat them up so bad on the interior defensive line that they have no recipe. And they still let up 550, 600 yards of total offense. So it's not like they can be like, wow, we did it. They just did the perfect execution of bend, don't break. But to pretend like that there's not a certain blueprint to the Chiefs, there is. Get to their offensive line. Get consistent pressure. Force Mahomes to hold the ball a little longer than he wants, and you maybe throw them off their game. That to me has been the story for 
years now. And I think that the Titans are just one of the teams whose game plan week to week is better suited to get rid of it. One thing that I don't know if this necessarily answers your question, Kayla, but one thing that concerned me, especially in the later stages of that game, I don't want to say the offense as a whole. The offense didn't concern me because the offense is led by Patrick Mahomes. And we saw what he can do when he decides, you know what? I'm going to will this team to a victory. I don't care about the circumstances around me. Offensive line play, running game, receivers. I'll just go and win this game for us. And I don't know if there's any other quarterback in the NFL who would have won the game in that situation against that defense other than Patrick Mahomes. The one thing that left me with a little bit of of concern was the fact that we talked about this in the Monday episode, the 68 passing attempts. Why did you have to pass the ball 68 times? Well, first off, it's because you couldn't run the ball at all. You completely abandoned it. And I don't know if I necessarily blame them because they had zero success with it. And at some point, you got to just go with the fact that you've got a, a Hall of Fame quarterback there behind center. The, the thing that, that left me sort of wondering was without Patrick or without Tyreek Hill, how much are these receivers going to struggle to separate? And I guess that's not really fair to say without Tyreek Hill because Juju was, aside from Travis Kelsey, the only one that was consistently separating and getting the ball thrown to him. And and producing, but a guy like MVS was on the field for 71 snaps. He only had one ball thrown his way. The fact that Mahomes was dropping back, had time to throw, but still had to, to revert to running the ball tells me that receivers weren't getting separation. And I don't know if there are other teams besides the Titans that can sort of exploit that, but it did leave me sort of anxious about this receiving core aside from Juju and Travis Kelsey. I mean, I understand that because obviously those two guys can get open. That's why they both had, uh, you know, almost 100 yards or pretty much 200 yards combined, which seems like is probably the new norm for Kansas City based on the way the last three weeks have gone. No one's going to get separation like Tyreek. And I don't think that you're expecting that. But I mean, generally speaking, I mean, Kansas City still does rank okay in that category nick because andy reed is good at getting them open so maybe it's a game plan thing maybe what you're saying is when andy reed doesn't scheme them open they're not getting open themselves which is probably fair but also they're making contested catches it's hard for me to say like i understand the number of points they scored and that that game still doesn't make sense statistically but if you throw for 460 yards when a team knows you're going to throw it's hard for me to be like, boy, it'd be cool if the receivers got more open. Yeah, it wasn't an MVS day, and Sky Moore didn't have a single catch. But they had two guys with 100 yards. McColl had a good day. And they found other guys to get the football to, including Noah Gray and others. I know that you don't want to go into that every week, but how could it be a big problem for them if it doesn't always show, like, or if it doesn't happen as often? Because I don't think that that was the problem in the Chargers game. I don't think that that was the problem necessarily even in the Colts game. I thought in those games, the offensive line was the bigger part of the issue. Maybe in this one, Nick, it was more in the middle or Kayla is like more in the middle where, you know, Mahomes did have some time and didn't have anybody to get to. Maybe that's just a one off because they knew they were going to throw it 70 times. That's those other times. Yeah, that's it, because the Titans have one of the top, maybe the best run defense in the NFL. They're middling in terms of what they do against quarterbacks and, and passing attacks. So if if you're saying, hey. We're daring you to run. We're good at it. We're daring you to run. We're not going to necessarily make it easy on you. We just know 
that we're going to be able to stop you. And if we know that you're not going to run, you just became very easy to defend. Unless you've just got these incredible playmakers on the outside that are going to be able to consistently get separation in man coverage and one-on-one situations, then you're not going to be able to have the success you want. So we go back to what we talked about on Monday. If the Chiefs just would have been able to run the ball at a competent level, not even like a, not even an excellent level, not even like, okay, they're going above and beyond. They're gashing them on the ground. If they just would have been able to keep Tennessee honest on the ground, I think that completely opens up the passing attack because now all of a sudden you've got a defense playing on their heels a little bit, but that's not how it played out. It played exactly into Tennessee's hands and how they wanted the Chiefs to play offensively. Chiefs still win, though, because they have Patrick Mahomes. And that's I mean, the simple thing is because any offense is going to struggle. And there's been a lot of like weird football this year amongst all teams. But I mean, if they were running at a above average level, they'd be the 2018 Chiefs offense. It always comes back to the same thing. Most teams are deficient somewhere. The Chiefs don't run the ball well. I think uh, I think some of that's because the offensive line, not the talent they have at running back. But I mean, all things said, isn't that kind of amazing that they still average more than two points more than per game than the next closest team? Like, I mean, they are the top scoring offense in the NFL. So sometimes it feels like nitpicking and be like, well, those guys don't get open. They have currently a tight end on pace for 1,400 yards, wide receiver on pace for 1,200 yards, another wide receiver on pace for 800 yards. McColl's still on pace for 650. He's their fourth wide receiver. I mean, these guys okay. must be getting open a little. Yeah, McColl was great. McColl was great. Jarek had, I think, six receptions in that game. Uh, it's, it's, I don't want to make this all about MVS, but you're right. It, it seems like it's what we are nitpicking a little bit here, but that's what you do with the Chiefs is you don't just question like, did they win? It's like, but did they win by enough? Did they win in, a, in an impressive enough fashion? There's no other team in the NFL who gets to talk about these things. You're setting up my vibe check, Nick, which is coming later on in the show. I feel like I was setting up my vibe check, so I'm interested to see how much overlap. Oh, okay. Stay tuned. Um, Yeah, I'm going with one off here for sure. Moving on, though, guys, Josh Allen sustained an injury in Sunday's game against the Jets. How does this affect the Chiefs chances in the AFC? And before I get your answers, um, Allen is being evaluated for an injury on his right elbow, specifically the ulnar collateral ligament. I don't know if that's right. Uh, and surrounding nerves and his status is still TBD. Nick's giving me a thumbs up. Wonderful. Um, still TBD for the game, the, for the Bills upcoming game against the Vikings this Sunday. When asked about it on Monday, Sean McDermott said, quote, we're just going through it. We're still evaluating it. I'll know more in the next 24 hours. Um, Allen will likely be limited in practice this week. Not great for them. Again, with this hot Vikings team coming up, who sits second in the league behind the Eagles at seven and one. The floor is yours. Um, so full disclosure, obviously we know that we record these podcasts. So if you're listening to it on Wednesday, there might be more news that comes out about the Josh Allen injury, but it doesn't really matter which way it goes. Cause either way, even though you don't root for people to get injured, he's hurt. And this helps the chiefs get the one seed. That's really what it comes down to because whether he misses time or doesn't an injury to your UCL at quarterback seems like it's going to impact your ability. Hangnails throw off a quarterback's ability to be as accurate as they (laughs) normally are, man. It's a precise motion. It's a precise job. It's hard to be accurate all the time. And if you feel discomfort, if anyone's ever had any kind of body injury, if you've had like a a knee sprain or an ankle, what the doctors will tell you is the same thing. 
you compensate in other areas, not knowingly. So you might drop your hip or move differently. It's going to throw off the way he plays quarterback, no matter what. If he misses significant time, if he misses weeks or games, then they're at better risk of dropping games. Kansas City needs him to drop to catch him in the one seed. It's a big deal. Um, it's a really big deal for me that if it lingers into the postseason, it's still affecting his play. Because as we know, with sprains, that usually means tear. And tear means how big of a tear. Mm-hmm. And playing through discomfort could change the outlook of this season. And the Bills have a lot, as we know, riding on this season against the Chiefs. It could completely change the scope of the AFC. So, of course, it's important. So I don't know if I'm ready to go that far yet until I hear the extent of the injury, because I go back to the year when Mahomes had that really weird hit where it looked like he got concussed. And then all of a sudden the reports came out that it was this freak injury where what was Cody, maybe you remember what was the exact uh, diagnosis about Mahomes when it said they said it like kind of like squeezed a nerve or whatever. Yeah, that's that's what it it was. So maybe this is it. Maybe Josh Allen just hit his funny bone, right? Like but his was, arm got bent back. Ugh. Yeah, I know. It was awkward. I'm, I'm, it didn't look funny. But you know what's crazy is on the next play, and I was watching that game live, on the next play, he, they were trying to obviously come back and win the game. Josh Allen rolls out to his left. He sort of evades a would-be tackler and then throws it 69 yards in the air, which is the longest pass attempt in the NFL in the last six seasons. So... I don't really know what to make of that other than Josh Allen is an alien. And um, if anybody can sort of overcome this, maybe it's him. Now, if he did tear his UCL, he's done. He's done. Right. Like, well, and I mean, that happens so rarely in quarterback. I couldn't even guarantee you that it wouldn't be a big deal forever. I like, what if this is okay? Wait a minute though, Cody. What if you're familiar with the movie rookie of the year? Correct. I am so good. What if this is a Henry Rowan Garter situation? <laughs> He's stronger. He slips on the ball and actually it gives him even more superpowers. Uh, it seems unlikely. Based Have on you considered that? Every pitcher who's ever had Tommy John. Um, I had not considered that in fairness, but I mean, I, Kayla, I know you, you work for a hockey team. We now have a football podcast, but I mean, if it's Tommy John, it's a huge deal. If it's just, okay, he's a quarterback, he has to do it. Because that's the thing. The, the reason why I don't know if it would impact him, Nick, is, like, I really did. I went, like, on a medical deep dive on this. Okay. Talked to a couple of Enlighten people. us. Well, and I, and I talked to a couple of people who, like, handle pitcher injuries or who have handled those. The reason why this doesn't happen in quarterbacks, the way it happens in pitchers, is the way pitchers throw, the bends they're asked to make, and the, the weight. This sounds stupid, but the weight of the ball that they throw. So all of these things are what make it more common for a pitcher to run into the issue. So even if you had Tommy John as a quarterback, it might overall impact you less uh, than it would a pitcher. But there's been so few instances. And again, we might find out later today after we get done recording this podcast that they're just going to keep moving on about it. But I have, I have for me, Kale, it's no way like an elbow injury to your throwing arm. That's like the people who are trying to pretend like the rib injury to Justin Herbert wasn't going to impact him. Of course it is. It's your ribs. Of course, it's going to affect Josh Allen's play. It's his elbow. Whether he plays this Sunday or doesn't, it's going to impact the way he plays this season. Two things. First of all, I confused rookie of the year and the rookie. Whoops. Um, In fairness, the same thing, pretty much. Yeah. In the rookie, he has that surgery and then gets stronger. So we're pretty much, 
Wait, have we talked about that the rookie might just be a ripoff of Rookie of the Year, but he's adult? Except for that's based on a true story. So it was like yes. maybe. Okay, well, right. Now it, it makes me wonder about the fact. <laughs> uh, I once took the, had the take that all baseball pitchers should preemptively get Tommy John surgery because don't some guys come back and pitch yeah. better after Tommy John? Well, sometimes they can see a velocity increase. It's not always a guarantee. Just so what if Josh Allen comes back and can throw the ball 80 yards? I mean, maybe the worst thing that ever happened to the NFL. <laughs> he already throws <laughs> it that far to Gabe Davis now. Okay. So what are you saying that even if he misses any amount of time, this completely impacts the AFC race because for the one seed, yes. But in terms yeah. of the postseason, I think the chiefs and the bills are currently on their own Island to the point where if you told me he's going to miss two months, but he's going to be back in a hundred percent by the postseason, I don't really think it's all that big of a deal because ultimately I expect it to be the chiefs and the bills. Now, maybe that means the games played in Kansas city versus Buffalo. I don't know if you guys have seen how the chiefs have performed in home games so far this year, but it hasn't been very impressive. They lost to the bills at home earlier this year. And the other three games, the chargers, the Raiders and the Titans were all nail biters where they didn't look very good. Yeah, but it gives the possibility of weird NFL thing happens, Nick. And it gives the possibility the same as last year. Yeah, maybe we would still expect Chiefs Bills at some point in the postseason. But what if because of this injury, they lose two games they shouldn't, and it's in round two again? Yeah. And then you put it all on the line in round two, and then we're right back to it. Sure. It just, or it could just, it could cost the Bills the division, Nick. If it's a four to six week injury, the, 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 the Dolphins could win the AFC East. I mean, then not to say the Bills are one of only two teams in the AFC. I think could go on three road games and do that. But still, it it could change things. I actually don't like this at all. Yes, this helps the Chiefs for sure. But I want to know that we. We deserve to to be in that spot that we've played competitive, they've played competitive and we're just the better team. I agree. I agree 100 percent. This is. Like selfishly as a Chiefs fan, I want them to play in Super Bowls every year. And I'm not rooting for life to be harder on them. But to that same vein, I don't want I don't want to see the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl because it's Case Keenum at quarterback for the Bills. That that to me, it sort of robs you of the storyline. It, it robs you of the idea that this is going to become one of the next great rivalries in the NFL. And so I I want to see the Chiefs beat the Bills with Josh Allen again in the postseason. That's fun to me. I want as many of these games as I possibly can because as a, just an NFL fan, a football fan, all of these games are so damn awesome. All right, guys, we're going to move on to contenders or pretenders in the AFC. All of these teams I'm about to list are a game and a half away from the top spot. So we're going to go through them one by one. Tell me if they're for real or not. Starting with the Jets. Oh, God, they just beat the Bills. And the Chiefs <laughs> and the Bills are obviously not a team we're going to go over this because we all know they're contenders. Pretender, right? Zach Wilson. I'm not spending a bunch of time on this. I love our guy Vinny Pasquantino who joins us to talk about the NFL on our show in Kansas City, but eh, pretenders. It's Zach Wilson. I, I can't take them serious. I'm sorry. <sighs> I think they're... I, th- I think they're a legit team. I don't think they're going to fall off the rest of the regular season. Like I do think they're going to hang around and win some games and their schedule actually is pretty favorable. They get the Patriots and the bears after the bye week So I-, I think they'll continue to accrue wins. And I think this team goes to the playoffs, but 
I just, I don't see it from Zach Wilson either. So in terms of being an actual AFC championship contender, I'm going to say they are a pretender. Right there with you guys. And beyond that, they've got the Vikings, the Bills again, the Seahawks, the Dolphins. So. That defense is very legit, by the way. Yes. And with the season they're having, I will just say this, shows you what one really good draft class can do. You draft Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, who's injured, obviously. Jermaine Johnson's actually been pretty good, the pass rusher. Like if you nail your first and second round draft picks, you can see massive changes from one year to the next. All right, moving on, but keeping it in the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. Contender, because partially probably because of the Josh Allen injury. Otherwise, I don't think I'd take them that serious. But the schedule stuff, Nick, is the most interesting to me. We're talking about you're a contender for the number one seed. You're going to have to get to 13 or 14 wins. Miami already has six. They got the bye uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, but they got the Browns. The Texans, both at home. The 49ers, a team they can beat. The Chargers, another team that, depending on where they're playing at that time, before they even get to the Bills, they finish their final three games. Packers, who are playing like garbage, Patriots, and Jets. I mean, I don't I don't know that they're going to be any more than a three or four. I think they'll be a favorite in a majority of their games. And in the other ones, they'll be only an underdog by a couple of points. So, to me, they can rack up enough wins, and they're six and one with Tua, so contender. Yeah, they're six and one with Tua, and that one loss with Tua was against the Bengals, the game in which he had the really bad concussion. So, like, he started that game, but he didn't even mm-hmm. finish that game. If you're giving yep. me games where he started and finished, they're six and zero. Oh. Six and zero. Oh. This offense is breaking the NFL. It, it really is with what they're doing. They are only throwing to two guys, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and they're only throwing to them 25, 30 yards downfield, and still. Nobody can stop them. It is one of the most enjoyable offenses to watch because everybody knows what they're doing and they're still executing at an insanely high level. Their defense, much like the Chiefs and some of these other teams I'm sure we're going to get to, is is fine. It's not great. It's not what stands out about them. It's not at the same level of the Bills, but I love this offense. I am fully bought into the Dolphins. I think they are right behind the Chiefs and the Bills in the AFC. I hate complimenting this offense. It feels icky, but Nick, you're right. They're Why contenders because they have our guy. Yeah, it's wrong. But it, it is weird. Cool to see. It is. It's like an amicable breakup, you know, where you you're friends with the, <laughs> with both of them, and then you go on to see. You know what? They're both doing pretty well, and I guess I can just be happy for everybody it's, it's, involved. It's not even pretty well. It's like they both broke up and now are dating supermodels. Like it doesn't like what the hell happened here? How'd yeah. you both get with models? Like there can't be any bitterness. Neither side can be mad at the other side because they're both doing great. <laughs> Why do they have to be supermodels? What about just people with really good hearts? Yeah, can be, yeah. Can be <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, but okay. Well, and then, yeah, to Cody's point, as he made that, showed everyone that, yes, Patrick's also doing better. So it's working out for everyone. Dolphins are for real. Their, their schedule, I mean, I think they're going to have it pretty easy from here on out. So contenders for sure. We're going to move on to the LA chargers. Bass. I know that I'm supposed to say contender here, but no, they're not. Pass. You're power. No, they're just, they're not using to give an answer. Uh, No, it's, it's pretender. They are, Mm. they play with fire every week. Look, they're getting by because they're getting by, but I still don't trust their coach. I still think their quarterbacks limitations due to the injury. Uh, and they're not getting past the Chiefs in the West. So to me, it's it's uh, that's why they're not a contender for the one seed. The Chiefs aren't going to let them have this division. You know, there's part of me that still wonders with the talent, can they figure out something to 
to make some moves. The, the weird thing is, it was the same issue that plagued their offense last year. They're really bad in early down situations. And it goes back to their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who was the offensive coordinator for Drew Brees uh, the last handful of years that he was in New Orleans. You're running an offense that you took from New Orleans for a guy who was near 40 and couldn't push the ball down the field. Well, now you have a quarterback who's, what, 24? And he's got an absolute howitzer for an arm yet you're still treating him like he's a guy who needs to play dink and dunk football. They run the ball a lot early. They run the ball a lot on second and long situations. It's mind boggling. Obviously the defensive injuries. I'm still going to say contender though. I town and despite the it's ugly, they're finding ways to win, even though it's been a really cupcake schedule for them so far this year until the wheels completely fall off for the chargers. I've been ready to like my hands hovering over the pretender button. But as of right now, I'm going to trust the talent. I'm going to trust that Austin Eckler is as good of a weapon as there is in in football right now. So I still say contenders, but I don't know that I'm going to be saying it a month from now. This one is hard. Yeah, I'm kind of like in between. I can't really tell. We were very close to having the same record as them after Mm -hmm. Sunday Night Football, which is crazy because it seems like we're playing completely different football. Um, Hmm. I don't know if I'm ready to say this until after the Sunday night game coming up in two weeks. <laughs> These division games always scare me, but right now I'm on the fence. I, I, I don't really feel strong about contender or pretender at this point for them. All right. That's not a great answer, but we're going to move on to the Ravens. Yeah, I was about to, I was about to get Cody for copping out. And then I realized, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm copping out. I'll take, I'll, I'll go contender for now. Ravens. Ravens. I, okay, so this is the one I'm the most confused on, which means I'm going to say pretender. If I'm not sure, mm. you're off the list. Oh. Their wins aren't that impressive. Their wins are against the Jets in week one, easiest time to get them. The Patriots in week three, the easiest time to get them. The Bengals, again, at their worst possible moment. Then they started getting their ass kicked for a few weeks where they were losing to teams that I felt like they were better than. And all they've done over the last couple of weeks is beat the Browns and the Bucks and the Saints. So I'm supposed to buy in because their three-game winning streak is against the Browns, the Bucks, and the Saints. And to be honest, at no point am I convinced in this offense. It relies too much on Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson alone. So until they want to put some weapons around him and join the rest of the AFC party, they don't get to be included in this conversation for me. Okay, Cody. Uh, let me just... I just... Before I get to my answer, I'm just going to, they're on a bye this week. The Ravens are, yeah. I'm going to go over their remaining schedule. <laughs> it's a cakewalk. Oh, oh is it really gosh. bad? Yeah. Oh, it's my gosh. It's going to look like contender. Oh my God. I'm looking schedule. at it. Okay. okay so, I take it back. Yeah. Contender. Good God. I didn't look at the like, schedule. Maybe the Bengals and that's it. Cody's oh. the response right now where I was like, oh my God, did you see this gross uh, that you see so-and-so's injury? And then I, and then I text it to you and then you pull it up and somebody's angles. <laughs> This is their schedule, Nick. Oh, my God. So after the bye, the Ravens play the Panthers at the Jags, the Broncos at the Steelers, at the Browns, the Falcons, the Steelers again, and they close the season at the Bengals. They are going to be favored in all but one of those games. And who knows, by the end of the year, they may be favored against the Bengals. They already beat him at home. That game will be in Cincinnati. This team feels like they're about to go on a tear. So even if you're not buying into them, 
Their schedule is so favorable that I'm telling you right now, they are going to be in the mix for the one seed in the AFC. And if they get a first round by and home field advantage, that's got to alter your perception of their chances in the postseason a little bit, right? Are you, it does. It absolutely does. And I would put them back in the list. For what it's worth, Baltimore has the easiest remaining strength of schedule in the NFL at 353 winning percentage. You know who's sec, who has the third easiest? The Chiefs. The remaining strength of schedule on the Chiefs schedule is only 420. They have the third easiest remaining strength of schedule based on current team records. I'll take it. Because they play the Broncos twice. They play the Raiders. They play the Jags. They play the Texans too. Their schedule's just as easy as Baltimore's. So one thing that concerns me a little bit about them is and much has been the case for them the past several years is they just don't have a ton of weapons on the outside. But when you just look at the, the best offenses in the NFL, right, it's it's the obvious candidates, the Chiefs, the Bills, uh, the Eagles, the Dolphins. I'm going to steal a phrase from uh, Jim Irsay from that wacky press conference. Yet. <laughs> um, th- that's probably your top quartile of offenses in the NFL. But that next tier, like with the Bengals, the Seahawks, the Ravens are right there and they're doing it the same way they always have, which is that Lamar Jackson is a monster and he is incredibly tough to game plan against. So I, I do think I was bullish on the Ravens last year. I was wrong. They got riddled with injuries, but as much as I was on the fence about the Chargers, I think I'm actually a little bit more bullish on the Ravens than I am the Chargers. So I'm going to say they're a contender right there with you, especially with what they've got left in their schedule. It's going to make them a contender, whether or not we think it or. I think I only gave one pretender. Yes. Yeah. We still have one more. Well, if you think the Tennessee Titans. Okay, perfect. And if you're going to say Cincinnati, then Cincinnati's a no, right? Because the Ravens are going to win their division based on how easy it is. So they're a pretender and the Titans pretender. There you go. Problem solved. Oh yes. Two more. Sorry. Cody just gave his answers on both of them, but uh, <laughs> pretender for both. There you go. Well, you've got to choose the team you think is winning the division. Then tell <laughs> you me. You can't tell me what to do. That's not how this <laughs> you works. You can't both say the Ravens are like clearly going to go on a run, and they'd be like, maybe the Bengals will catch him. They can't Un- both have like. No, these aren't predictions. You're just you're asking me to tell to tell me what category they're in. Uninvited right. to the chili cookoff, and then <laughs> telling you how to pick. Wow. Gosh, man. Okay, Nick, what are your picks? Let me live my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm putting. The Bengals in the contenders. I'm putting the. I'm, who's the other team? The Titans. Titans. I'm putting them in pretenders. And by the way, I still reserve the right to move the Chargers to pretenders at some point. They're my they're my on the fence team. Okay, Kayla, where do you in either of those? Uh, I'm going to go Titans contenders. Mm, don't feel great about it. Bengals. I kind of want to say pretender until. We have to play them. <laughs> yeah. They still scare me. I don't know. These are both two that could go either way for me. I'll say Bengals, Pretenders, Titans, pre- Contenders, as it stands. Well, that was a lot of fun. But time to move on to our weekly segment on Wednesdays, the Vibe Check. Who's going first? Well, it sounded like you guys were teasing earlier that you were on the same page. So why don't we oh, yes. you go first? Uh, I'll go first. Wait. <laughs> Should I go? I'll go. I, know, I don't care. I know what yours is going to be, and I feel like it's exactly what mine's going to be. So. I do you? Okay, Based well. What you said earlier, yes. I don't know. That'd be crazy if we had the same one. Mine is, it is hard to win games in the NFL. It is 
the coach's favorite thing to say after a sloppy game. It's the player's favorite thing to say after a sloppy game. And I think we as Chiefs fans have gotten so desensitized and we just expect every pass to be completed, every third down to be converted, every trip to the red zone to result in a score or a touchdown or field goal, whatever. Um, The other day I said, Kelsey had an off game guys. He had 10 receptions for 106 yards. We are so spoiled as chiefs fans. And I think it's a good reminder. It is hard to win games in the NFL. And we're so used to just like getting these wins and it making make the team makes it look so easy. So then when they do get rattled or struggle, we're like, Oh no, it's, you know, the worst has happened. But in reality, a win is a win and a win in the NFL is huge. And we should not be worried We have found different ways to win all of these games, whether it be the defense, whether it be Patrick Mahomes putting the team on his back, whether it be Kelsey, whether it be different weapons on offense. I think we need to look at all of that and be very thankful and shut up and take the win and move on. That's my vibe check. It's hard to win games in the NFL and we're doing it. So very similar to mine. The, the word, the verbiage is not quite the same, but I try to remind myself a lot about this and Let's just go ahead and I'll invoke Kansas athletics into this. Oh, once. no. How much it oh, makes. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that way yours will be very different. Kayla wasn't going to do that. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not the same. It is all the time with, with Kansas basketball. They'll be like number one in the country. Oh, geez. And then people will be complaining that like, oh, well, the point guard can't shoot. The point guard's only shooting 20% from three-point range. I said, so you're talking about the difference between them being the number one offense in the country and the number one offense in the country by more. And that seems a little bit silly and it invokes the, you know, the, the uh, often used phrase around here, which is first world problems. Well, you know what? We live in the first world. So that's the only kind of problems we encounter in Kansas city with the chiefs. Like we look back on that game and said, Oh man, they didn't score for, for seven straight possessions. What was that thing all about? They still won against a team that was the number two seed in the AFC, a team that is objectively going to win their division and going to the playoffs. And we're like, yeah, but the receivers, they didn't get enough separation downfield. Not, not to mention the fact that Travis Kelsey had 100 yards and Juju Smith-Schuster had 88 yards and uh, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. We're like, okay, but they're the number one offense in the NFL. They are number one or number two in virtually every statistic. They're first in points scored. They're second in yards. They are first in points per drive. They are first in scoring position. They are first in passing yards. <laughs> they are first in passing touchdowns. But we're like, but you know what? Could they, could they make it look a little bit easier? <laughs> could they just, could they just move the ball at will on every possession? Like seven, I would love to crunch the numbers and know like seven consecutive drives. They didn't score points. Oh, that ties the longest of Patrick Mahomes career. I would, I would bet you that 20 to 25 teams in the NFL have had that happen to them this year. And probably a lot of those teams multiple times, the idea that we do this all the time and we say, okay, well like it it cause for concern with the chiefs offense. Are you watching the chiefs offense? They're the best. What, what do we want? We want them to be the best by more, but that is the product of having not a great quarterback, historically great quarterback is you hold Patrick Mahomes and this offense to historically great standards. And that's, that's awesome because you know what happens? He often passes those historically or meets those historically great standards. You lost Tyreek Hill 
and your offense is still number one in the NFL. I saw Shield Kapadia, the, uh, or the ringer, put this out earlier this week. They're the only offense, they're the only team in the NFL to not have a below average EPA game with expected points average, right? Like it's basically war, right? For Cody, it's the equivalent of war yeah. for baseball. How much better would you do in this situation than the average NFL team? They're the only team has not had a below average offensive game. And yet still we open the show with like, and I was even part of that. Like, Oh, maybe, you know what? I didn't totally love that. It's, <laughs> they're halfway through the season. They've passed every test. First world problems here in Kansas city. In Bye. summary, we're a bunch of spoiled brats. Yeah, yeah, that's it. My my vibe is 2000s HBO, as in the television. Let's go. So this Sex is the, the reason city. why. So first, Nick, this is where you edit the sound and you put in that like, <laughs> oh, sound, right? We're hitting that sound. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know why? Because when I watch the rest of the NFL, my vibe for the Chiefs is the Chiefs put out so many more banger TV shows than every other damn network combined. I don't care if Netflix hits one. I don't care if Amazon gets one and you're like, I kind of like Jack Ryan. The rest suck and we don't want to watch your bad TV series. But the Chiefs, even if they have every once in a while show, we're like, I don't know if that's a hit. It's just Game of Thrones, White Lotus, Silicon Valley. It doesn't matter, man. It's hits. It's nothing but hits. We want to watch their games so much more than every other NFL team combined. They're, they're HBO, man. They put out better product than every other person, and the rest of us are all stuck watching bad NFL games like the Monday night one two days ago. You know what's funny about that is I, I listen to periodically NFL podcasts on Mondays because I want to know what people are saying about other teams, especially if the Chiefs are playing at like noon and I didn't get to watch a lot of the other games. It's like an easy way for me to just caught up. So what people are talking about. And then I tune into these podcasts on Monday morning and every single podcast is leading with the Chiefs game. I go, come on. No, I already know what happened in the Chiefs game. But that's just it, is that even when you think there are bigger storylines, whether it's what's happening in Dallas, because the Cowboys are always a big deal. You've got two New York teams, massive audiences that would want to hear about that. The Packers, the Bucks, the Rams, these great NFC teams are struggling. You've got a great team in another major market in Philadelphia that's playing great football. But nope, every Monday morning, it's everyone recapping the Chiefs because they are still the biggest show in town. Yeah, we don't all talk about whatever original uh, Prime show just came out this week, but we all sure as hell talk about any HBO show that has Succession? come out. Yes, they're all Sopranos, great, man. Sex in the City. Love Wire, Entourage. <laughs> all great. Cody with those entertainment analogies. I love that. That's always my yeah. vibe. Some sort of <laughs> random entertainment reference. <laughs> all right, guys. Last but not least today, Odell Beckham Jr. The sweepstakes are about to ramp up. We knew this once the trade deadline cleared that it was Odell watch time. Jay Glazer of Fox Sports said he's healthy. He's ready to go. As it stands, though, the Cowboys are currently the odds-on favorite to sign him. Odell did say that when he signs with his next team, he'd like it to be a multi-year situation. Are we still hopeful the Chiefs will get him? Yes or no? Yes. I still want him, for what it's worth. And last year's odds-on favorite at this time wasn't the Rams. Remember, we were all surprised when it was the Rams. We're like, wait, whoa, 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 back up. Is the Rams them? They signed him? So whatever the odds say right now, they're just guessing at whatever Odell's brain is thinking. And that's harder to know because right now he hasn't given an indication because he said he likes everybody. Mm -hmm. He says, 
He's like, he goes to every city. He goes on every podcast and he's like, they're all great. That all seems nice. I think I'd like to play for any of them, but I, I'm fully on board of still wanting Odell. Aren't you guys? Which by the way, that is the yes. perfect way to play it. If you're Odell Beckham Jr. Don't play favorites, make the team. Even if you have a favorite, don't let them know that they're the Appease everyone. Drive that price up. Um, but yes, I can definitely see him in a Cowboys uniform. Unfortunately, I hope that doesn't happen, but of course I'd love to have him on the chiefs. He does actually like the Cowboys uniform feels totally his vibe. It feels right. Like you're making me just base it on like, tell me the team that like in your brain makes the most sense from like a visual standpoint. It's probably the Cowboys. Um, and the chiefs getting Tony makes it less likely probably, but I still don't rule it out. I think Kansas city will strongly consider it. Juju's price tag has only gone up. Like if you're looking for a cost control wide receiver, Juju's price goes up every single week he plays for the Chiefs. I'm 100% on board. For not just the Chiefs reasons, which I think, maybe I'm making too much of this one game, but the fact that like, the, the, the fact that MBS was on the field for 71 snaps and had the ball throw to him once, like were you just never open? Were you blanketed on every single play? If so, like that, that maybe that's something I'm going to write down. And maybe look back in in a couple of weeks because I don't I don't want a guy who's going to play the second most snaps at that position to never be getting separation. Therefore, just mostly being a decoy. I don't know that that was the case, but that got my attention a little bit. Uh, McColl's playing the third most snaps in this wide receiver room. Sky played 25. Kadarius Tony played nine. So I would imagine first off, if you did sign Odell Beckham Jr., Tony, Sky, we'll see you next year. Like that's the way this is going to play out. There'll be certain packages where you'll still get McColl involved because he knows the offense and he's obviously very useful with the gadget stuff uh, near the red zone and near the goal line. So I think he would still have a role on this offense, but MVS's snaps can go down a little bit. That wouldn't kill the team. You take 30 snaps a game from Sky and Kadarius Tony. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. And even if he is healthy and ready to go, I can't imagine he's going to handle a full workload this season. I mean, you're coming back from a major knee injury. This is a guy that does have injury concerns and you're going to be learning a new playbook. It's not as though Odell's going to immediately become your number two or number three wide receiver. I think they would bring him along slowly, but based off what I saw at the tail end in the postseason for the Rams last year and in the Super Bowl, this guy still has a lot left in the tank. And as you mentioned, Cody, not having anybody other than Sky Moore, MVS, and Kadarius Tony officially on the books for next year. If you could get this guy, not just for this year, but over the next two to three seasons, I think that would be a positive. The other side of it is get him so that the other teams can't get him. Get him so the Bills can't get him. I was just going to say, where do we not want him to go? If if, if the Rams didn't get him last year and the Chiefs do, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and the Rams don't. So yeah, play keep away. The very least, keep him out of the AFC. (laughs) To hell with that. Yes. I mean, yeah. He would have a good shot on Dallas. It does seem like it's mostly NFC teams that are in on him. The Chiefs and the Bills are really the only ones. And all of a sudden, it'll be Miami and I'll hate myself. Oh my gosh. Definitely not that. Please, God, no. They've got enough weapons at wide. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. That is just twisting the knife. TBD on Odell. We'll see what happens. That's going to do it for us on this Wednesday. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Friendly reminder to like, like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tapp. I am Kayla Canaram, and we will be back with you all on Friday. Have a good one.